0: We're launching a new series today for this month of March called Your Word. Uh, Our theme for the year is going deeper in the Word. And so this uh, really is an outworking of that. And when we say Your Word, we're talking about the Bible. Uh, Some people call it the Scriptures or the Holy Scriptures uh, or the Word of God. And so we're talking about your, as in capital Y, your Word or God's Word. The Bible is the most popular book ever written. It sold more than five times uh, the closest or the nearest competitor of books written. In in 1995, it was estimated that five billion copies of the Bible had been bought and sold uh, uh, in in history, and really only since it had been uh, converted into English and other other languages. One of my favorite stories is about the French philosopher Voltaire in the 1700s, and he was a very arrogant anti-God person, and he made the declaration that in 100 years... You will not, no one will be referring to or reading the Bible in a hundred years. That was his statement. Well, what was quite interesting is Voltaire uh, passed away, and not long later, his printing presses that he used began to be used to reproduce the Bible. The Bible Society bought his house, and his house became a center for the distribution and the reproduction of the Word of God, which continues on and on. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says this, the grass withers. The flower fades. I'll just insert in there, Voltaire moved on. But the word of our God stands forever. The word, the Bible. Whether it's a, a, a Bible you've got in your hand or a Bible in your device, it's still the Word of God. And today uh, I want to speak particularly around the topic that your word is a sword. Each each message is going to be around something that the Bible is. And I'm talking about this topic, your word is a sword. And my text, if you've got your Bible there, is it comes from Ephesians chapter 6. And it says this, a final word, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. "...put all, on all of God's armor, so you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil." It's talking about spiritual warfare. "...for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies." Even though someone's being painful to you right now, it's not the person, it's the spirit behind the person. "...but we're fighting against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places." He goes on and it tells you all the different bits of armor of God for us to put on using a Roman soldier as an example of the, of the uh, armory that they would wear. They'd wear a helmet, they'd, wear, they'd have a shield, they'd have a breastplate of, uh, on, they'd have, a, uh, they'd have a, a belt on, they'd have sandals on, and they'd have a sword. So he talks about all that. And in verse 17, he says, Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is... The word of God, the sword of the Spirit is a tool. It's a weapon for you and I in spiritual warfare. It's a sword. It's a sword. So I've, I bought a little example with me here today. This is uh, this is my this is my sword that I was given um, when we dedicated the green building, the first permanent church facility that we had. And Dale Phillips got this one inscribed and he gave it to me. It hangs on my wall. Uh, funny story. It used to hang on my wall on some curtain rod holders, but it's actually, it's a real sword. It's like a King Excalibur, uh, it's an Excalibur sword. It's, it's like five foot, it weighs quite heavy. Uh, apparently the William Wallace's sword was six foot. Uh, you had to be extremely strong even to pick it up. So this one would take some muscles to use and it was sitting on some curtain rods on my wall in front of the couch when I would meet with young, uh, different members of the church. And I remember one day specifically as it's sitting up on the wall on this curtain rod and a young man is sitting literally just down here on the couch in front of it. It's heavy and it's sharp. And he leant forward and just as he leant forward, the curtain rods broke and it went bam on the back of the couch. It was a holy moment as I asked him, what was he not telling me at that particular port? that the discipline of God was obviously needing to come his way. He's still in our church. I won't mention his name, Josh Young. Here we go. So it's a sword. The Word of God is a sword for you and I in warfare. So for us to understand that, we've got to back the truck up a little bit and and just go for a a couple of moments into the understanding of, of the Greek in which the Bible was written. Uh, what I want you to understand today, although that we read the Bible in English, or most of us, many, maybe some of you in some other languages, we've got multi, multiple uh, bilingual people in our church, which is awesome. But the Bible itself was written in three languages. Uh, the Old Testament primarily in Hebrew, the, the language of the Israelis. Some of it was in Aramaic, which was also a popular language. And the New Testament was written in Greek. And so then when it began to be translated, uh, it would be translated from the Greek into the English, that was the New King James Version, or the the original King James Version, and since then there have been lots of versions or translations or paraphrases that have been taken from the original into the current and how we read it, Now, which is awesome, but sometimes you can lose a little bit of the context or the original meaning of some of the words, sometimes. And so this, this is one of those examples that there are two Greek words that are translated word. So when we say your word, there's literally two Greek words that are translated word in both instances. So one is the word logos, and one is the word rhema. And both of them, when you read it in your Bible, you read them and it just says word, and you don't know specifically which one of them it is, but which one it is is actually meaningful. And just... If you want to, here's just an easy tip. If you want to know, well, how do I know which one it is? Then for three dollars you can buy from the app store a Strong's concordance. Have it on your phone, and at any point you can just look up and go press on any word that's that's in the Bible, and it'll take you back to the original word, and you can see a, a bit of the meaning, and that's how you can go deeper in the Word. And I, when I read my Bible, I have my phone beside me, trying not to be distracted by text messages and WhatsApp and Instagram, and I'll often I'll look up well what which one of in this example which one of the words is it? Is it logos or is it rhema? And you go, why is that important? I'm glad you asked right now. I'm glad you asked. Okay. It's important because the word logos uh, is more, if I was to describe it, it's more the general word of God. The logos, the whole of the Bible is the logos, it's the recorded truth of God. It's, it's, if you understand the logos or the word, it gives you God's general will. It gives you God's general nature. It gives you uh, the way that he thinks about a range of different things or his ability to do certain things. That's the logos. It's the whole of the Bible. But the rhema is where God quickens a specific verse, to a specific person for a specific situation at a specific time. And so it's alive, and that means something to me right now. If I was to play the keyboard, which I'm going to spare you that, but if I was to take you to the keyboard and said, see, all of these notes, the the major, the white ones and the black ones, the majors and the minors, all of these notes together are like the logos. It's the whole, all of the keys are here. But if I was to play one note right now, and you'd hear that one note, it would be like a rhema. It would be a specific note that I played at a specific time for you to hear. Uh, Someone else might say like this, that the logos is like a well, and this well's filled with living water. But if I was to take a cup of water and give it to you right now, that cup would be like the rhema. It'd be a specific something that I drew from the logos, but I gave it to you for a specific circumstance or situation. Are you following me right now? So the whole of the Bible, so let's just quickly look at three times the, the word logos is used when we look at a verse in the Bible. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words, and that Greek word there is logos, everyone who hears these, the whole truth, Of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the storm, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. This is talking about someone who hears the whole principles of the Bible. The truth of the word of God and makes it the foundation for their life, not just one specific one, but the foundation for their. Word, and they'll be able to withstand the storms of life that all of us experience. Okay, that's why we need the Logos, the truth. Another time, Mark chapter four, a little Bible study before we begin to preach. Are we doing okay? Mark chapter four, the former, the farmer, the farmer. Sorry, plants seed by taking God's word to others. Okay, this is Jesus talking. This time, God's Word is also the Logos. He takes the whole truth and He speaks it and preaches it and God takes that truth and it gets into your heart and that truth grows and produces fruit in your life. That's why the more of the Word, the whole Word we can get into us, even if we don't fully understand it all, but the more we can get into us, the more fruit that God will produce in our life. And the third one I want to read to you is Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. The Logos, the whole truth of God, is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the the sharpest two-edged sword. So in this one, it's not saying it is a sword. The Logos is not a sword. It's sharper than a sword. It's able to divide uh, a a two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That tells me that as I read the Word daily, as I study the Word, as I hear the Word preached, as I memorize the Word, it's getting into my life. And what it's doing, sharper than a two-edged sword, between my soul, which is the way that I want things to go for my own benefit, and my spirit, which is the way God wants things to go, as the Word gets into me, it's sharper. And it's not like a Roman sword. That's like a fisherman's knife, a butcher's knife, it's sharper than a butcher's knife that can cut between sinews and tendons and separate two bits of choice meats at the, at the innermost parts. because when I get the full Word of God into me, it can divide between what's John's motives and what's God's Spirit in me. And that's the way I separate. That's the way I mature. That's the way God develops me over a period of time. And so last week, our memory verse as a church was 1 Peter 4 verse 10. Who's memorized it? Give me a wave said, for God has given us a, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now that might not be a rhema, quickened word to you, but when you memorize it and it gets in your heart and you put a whole lot of other words in your heart, what it has the capacity is when you're starting to think about certain things, it will divide between soul and spirit between my motives and God's intention. And so I, I look at a situation and my flesh says, I'm not going to serve unless there's something in it for me. I'm not going to serve unless someone notices and gives me praise. That's what my innermost, my, my soul will say. But the Word of God, as different words about serving get into my heart, it's going to divide between my motives and my spirit where God lives. And it's going to actually say, no, I need to use my gift well to serve other people, not for my own benefit, for other people's benefit. That's the power of the Word, or I like to call it this, the themes of the Bible. That's the whole counsel of the Bible. The themes of the Bible get into my heart and change the way I live life. That's the Logos. That's why I'm so excited this year, church, that we are going deeper in the Word. I'm so excited that you and I together are memorizing memory verses and getting God's truth. I'm, I'm so excited that about almost 40 people are doing Bible college right now and studying the Word. I'm, I'm excited that people are reading the Bible every day because as it gets in me, It becomes a foundation for my life. It becomes a seed for my future. And it helps me to to discern between God's way and my way for the future. That's the the Logos word of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm getting it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, come on, just pay attention for a little bit longer. This is helping you today. That's the Logos. All right. Now I want to talk about the Rhema. The Rhema. Because if the Logos recalibrates us, The the logos marinates us. The logos uh, sifts us and our motives. The logos, the whole word of God provides a foundation to to live from. Well, the rhema is when God speaks a specific word in a specific situation. Now, what you've got to be careful is that means you don't cherry pick a verse that that works for you right now. Take it out of context and try and justify yourself. I remember once I went to a Christian um, youth event and I was in a very conservative church, and I, and I needed to break out of a conservative perspective of things. And it was wild, and there was awesome music, and there was drums, and, and I hadn't seen a lot of this kind of wild sort of stuff. And it upset the religious part of me. And I read a Bible verse that day that, that just sort of had a shot at radical things. And as I read it, I thought, oh, I interpreted that as saying what I went to was too radical and not godly, because I took a verse out of context. But the verse, a a rhema has to line up with the logos. And so I went and told my pastor, God spoke to me about how that was inappropriate. And he looked at me very wisely, and he said, well, wouldn't you think that Jesus was called pretty radical? Wouldn't you think that Jesus went against what was conservative and normal? And he just he pulled me up with a theme of the Bible, the Logos, to trump my individual cherry-picked verse from the Bible, which suited my own perspective. He said, no, you need to take the whole counsel of God to make sure that that verse lines up with God's truth. And so that's the rhema. But when it comes to us, it'll come to us and God, God will quicken it to you. It can work like this. You're in church, you're listening to one of our preachers and someone's preaching and they're preaching an anointed message, they're preaching the Word of God, they're preaching a, a truth and they're, they're saying different scriptures and we can go out of that and say, oh, so what did you get out of church this morning? And we can talk about the principles that we learnt. The logos, the principles. And, and most of us should, if the preaching was okay, say the same kind of stuff. That was, we all heard the principles. But then I'll say, but what did God say to you this morning? Because you can be in a sermon and a service, and if there's an anointing and an unction, the Holy Ghost is speaking, then the Holy Spirit can take any one line or any one verse and go... straight to your heart if you're hungry and lent in and have faith for it. And he can speak something to you and something to you and something to you and something to you and something to you. And and, and, and it can all be completely different. Why? Because that's the rhema, quickened word, where the Holy Spirit speaks to you and whether that's in church or as you read the Bible. So when you read the Bible, two things that a rhema will do that I want to talk about this morning. There's more. But two things that when God quickens the word to you, the first thing it does, it, it produces faith in you. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the Logos, the Rhema, the quickened word, the Holy Spirit word for you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This happened for me in the very early days where when I was running a business and I knew according to the principles of God the logos that God wanted me to be blessed he wanted me to be able to give money to the church he wanted me to be able to employ people he wanted me to be able to look after my family I knew the principles of the bible but I was struggling and the business wasn't working and and so then when the circumstances are coming against me I didn't I knew the principles of the Bible, but the principles of the Bible don't necessarily produce faith in you. You need a rhema word from God, a quickened word from God that God says, I've, I've got this word for you for now for this circumstance. And so out of that, I heard someone talk about this and, and a, a verse was quickened to me. And it said, you'll be called a priest or a, a minister of our God and others will look after your flocks and herds. And instead of shame and humiliation, you'll have a double portion. That quickened word, when I read it, I'm like, oh, I think God's encouraging me that he's, I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to have a business, and, and he's going to bless that thing. That was, it, that's what it meant to me. It quickened to me, and then I began to use that, and it produced faith in me. And so sometimes, if, you, if you're facing opposition, you need to stir yourself up and go to the Word of God and say, God, would you speak to me or remind me of a verse that I once had that I need quickening right now for this circumstance, So a rhema produces faith. But the second thing is a rhema is a sword. It's a sword. It's part of warfare. When you are a Christian, you are going to encounter spiritual warfare. That is why you need not my verse that God gave me, but your verse that God gave you. That's why you don't need to just you can study the Bible and know, you could memorize the whole Bible but if you don't have the Holy Spirit bringing the Bible alive to you you can live a defeated under it kind of life. It's not just about head knowledge, it's about quickened knowledge. Now, they work together and I'll talk about it. But when you're when you're a threat to the enemy, then you're going to encounter spiritual warfare and that's when you need your sword. When you're a threat uh, in terms of your, what you're going to do for others, in terms of people you're going to lead to Christ, in terms of the, 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 the anointing and gift and thing that's on your life, there will come spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare can look like this. It can be in your mind with mental anguish, with a barraging of your thoughts, with temptation, with torment, with discouragement and intimidation. Uh, Spiritual warfare can be emotional. It can be overwhelming, anxiety and fear, heaviness, depression and loneliness. It can be physical with sickness and pain and afflictions, disease and different physical conditions. Spiritual warfare can come into relationships. It can come with flare-ups. I'm going to get the band to come on up right now. It can come uh, into flare-ups into relationships, arguments that don't make this any sense, division, contention, fighting. Uh, spiritual warfare can come into finances with poverty, lack, and crippling debt. Uh, if you're any kind of threat to the devil, when you're a Christian, you will experience some kind of spiritual warfare. And therefore, the Bible says, don't be ignorant of his devices, but take up the sword, take up the, the weapons of your warfare, and the primary one, if I could have just one, I would choose a sword. If I was going into a fight and could choose any of the weapons, I would choose a sword. Why? Because it's defensive and it's an attack weapon. Uh, you know, with a, with a shield, it's a defensive weapon. Unless you're captive, Captain America and throwing it, then it's pretty much just a defensive weapon. But a sword, it's defensive and it's attacking. And that's what the word, of God. it's safe, this won't fly off the handle, it's okay. It's defensive and it's attacking. That's why you and I need to know the rhema words that God speaks to us. When Jesus faced his temptation and testing time in the wilderness and he came and the devil tempted him and he said, oh, you're fasting. And he was, he was about to move into an incredible season of fruitfulness and ministry. And When you're about to break into a new season and a new territory, that's when the greatest levels of contention come. When you're about to break through, when God's about to do something through your life and in your life and for you, the enemy will try and disconnect you from exactly where God is positioning you for your breakthrough. He'll come. And so the enemy's coming at Jesus. And he says, okay. And he tempts him. And Jesus responds, what with? A rhema word, a scripture. Now get this, Jesus had memorized large portions of the Bible... So that when he came into a spiritual warfare moment, the Holy Spirit could bring back to his remembrance in a moment and take it from being a logos to being a ramer in a second, and he could fight the enemy with it. And he said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, and this is our verse for the week, church. So get your phones out, get ready to grab this right now. And he said in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every rhema, every word. Danielle's going to preach here, the sunny coast, about that tonight, about the Word of God being bred. But right now, it's the sword that you need is the quickened Word from God. If you memorize it, He can bring it back to you in a moment. And then, then here we go. The devil, he's like, okay, if he's going to fight me with the Word, I'm going to come back at him with a Scripture. And he, and he actually quotes a scripture. I mean, that's not fair. When the devil's quoting scripture at you, that's not fair. But Jesus, because he knew the whole Logos, realized that the devil was taking a scripture out of context, out of biblical truth, and he came back to him with another realm of words. You shall not put the Lord your God to a test. That's his response. This is, this is for you and I. So I want to encourage somebody here today that if you're in a season of warfare against any one of those particular things or you're going into it or it'll, it'll come, I want to encourage you to get the Word from God for your circumstance and be ready to speak that Word. That, that In every promise that comes from God is your breakthrough. Every promise, your healing breakthrough comes from a word from God. Come on, your family breakthrough, the salvation of your children will come from a word from God. Your, your, uh, your financial breakthrough will come from a Rhema word from God. Your breakthrough in, in that situation in your neighborhood will come from a word from God. Your breakthrough in your business, it will come from a word from God. Your breakthrough, it'll come from a Rhema. Word from God, God's. So this is what I'm, I, I want to do. I just, I just feel like I want to activate us into the warfare zone, not just the reading to learn zone, but the taking the sword. Come on, I like this. I got taken off for that. I think I should just own it take the sword out of the sheath. It won't do any good right there and begin to speak the Word of God. Come on, Melbourne. Begin to speak the Word of God. I want the musos in Melbourne to come out the front as well right now. And I want us all to stand to our seat, to our feet in our seat. Stay with me. I'm getting excited. Now, we haven't done this yet, but what key are we in, musicians? We're in E-flat, Melbourne. Jai, Ben, John and ash right now we're in e-flat apparently that's where the anointing for breakthrough is in e-flat and so i want you just to imagine that you've got a sword on the side of you and that you're literally going into a warfare because the enemy is real you might not be able to see him in a moment i'm going to count to three and i want us just to i want you just to make that just just come along with me okay okay just a little practice on that one two three all right you got your sword out If it's your first day at church, yeah, we're weird, but it's powerful. Come on, stay with me right now. It's powerful. And then what we're going to do is we're going to lift up a shout of praise because the Bible says, with the high praises of God in my mouth. So it's an atmosphere of praise and front footedness and a two-edged sword in my hand. It's the Word of God. Now we don't fight physically anymore like they did in the Old Testament. We fight spiritually. And the weapon that we fight with is the rhema Word of God. I'm going to give you one to say today, no weapon formed against me will prosper. If there's something coming against you, you can use that one. We're going to give some praise. If you've got a promise from God and you haven't used it for a while, open up your mouth. Activate your mouth. It's only when it's spoken the rhema word of God has power. It's no good sitting on your wall. It's no good staying on your fridge. It's no good sitting in your journal. It's got to get in your mouth. A two-edged sword in your mouth as we declare it. Are you ready to go? Sword's ready. Let's go. One, two, three, two. Give Him praise. Give Him praise, God. Oh, we give You praise. With a shout of praise on our lips and a two-edged sword in our mouth. Oh, we magnify You, Jesus. Oh, we give You praise. No weapon formed against us will prosper. All those who rise up against us we will condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. Through our God we shall do valiantly. It is He who will tread down our enemies. God. You exalted. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. You heard me when I cried to you, and you restored my health. All oh, this favor is our inheritance. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Through my God, I will do valiantly. Come on, give Him praise. One more minute. Give Him praise. Come on, Melbourne, you're doing good. Give Him praise. Lift up the voice. Lift up your shout. There's breakthrough in the atmosphere. The Word of God is a sword. The Ramer is your sword. There's breakthrough. Come on online. Come on in your home right now. Declare breakthrough. The promise of God. Oh, depression's lifting right now. Come on, anxiety's going right now. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. There's a breakthrough in the Word of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give Him praise, O God. Oh, yeah. We worship you. We worship you. Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Come on, there's breakthrough in your mouth. There's breakthrough in your mouth. Faith is voice activated the Rhema Word of God. All right, I could get too carried away and excited right now, but I'm telling you, the gears changed. We're in a new season. You're part of this church. You're in a new season. Just believe it right now. God's moving in your life. I'm going to hand back right now to our location pastors in Melbourne, online, and right here back to Pastor Josh. God bless you.